Today is the 20th, <laughs> I was going to say 21st, sorry. We are at the 20th day of July. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I'm Brian. It is good to be here with you today as we end another of our weeks together. And we just keep pushing one day at a time, day by day through all of the Bible, which brings us to the fact that we finished the book of First Chronicles yesterday. And we will enter the book of Second Chronicles today. And uh, there's not a lot to say about Second Chronicles that we haven't already said about First Chronicles because these were one contiguous text at one time. Other than just like First and Second Kings, First Kings ends with the death of David, and then Second Kings kind of begins with Solomon's reign. Chronicles is similar. We read of Solomon ascending to the throne yesterday and David's charge to him about building the temple of God, and then and David passed into history. So with Second Chronicles, we begin with King Solomon's reign. So we've been reading from the New Living Translation this week, which is what we'll do today. Second Chronicles chapters 1, 2, and 3. Solomon son of David, took firm control of his kingdom, for the Lord his God was with him and made him very powerful. Solomon called together all the leaders of Israel, the generals and captains of the army, the judges and all the political and clan leaders. Then he led the entire assembly to the place of worship in Gibeon, for God's tabernacle was located there. This was the tabernacle that Moses, the Lord's servant, had made in the wilderness. David had already moved the Ark of God from Kiriath-Jerim to the tent he had prepared for it in Jerusalem. But the bronze altar made by Bezalel, son of Uri, and grandson of Hur, was there at Gibeon in front of the tabernacle of the Lord. So Solomon and the people gathered in front of it to consult the Lord. There in front of the tabernacle... Solomon went up to the bronze altar in the Lord's presence and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings on it. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said, What do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Solomon replied to God, You showed great and faithful love to David, my father, and now you have made me king in his place. O Lord God, please continue to keep your promise to David, my father, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me the wisdom and knowledge to lead them properly, for who could possibly govern this great people of yours? God said to Solomon, Because your greatest desire is to help your people, and you did not ask for wealth, riches, fame, or even the death of your enemies, or a long life, but rather you asked for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern my people. I will certainly give you the wisdom and knowledge you requested, but I will also give you wealth, riches, and fame, such as no other king has had before you or will ever have in the future. Then Solomon returned to Jerusalem from the tabernacle 
at the place of worship in Gibeon, and he reigned over Israel. Solomon built up a huge force of chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses. He stationed some of them in the chariot cities and some near him in Jerusalem. The king made silver and gold as plentiful in Jerusalem as stone, and valuable cedar timber was as common as the sycamore fig trees that grow in the foothills of Judah. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and from Cilicia. The king's traders acquired them from Cilicia at the standard price. At that time, chariots from Egypt could be purchased for 600 pieces of silver and horses for 150 pieces of silver. They were then exported to the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Aram. Solomon decided to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord and also a royal palace for himself. He enlisted a force of 70,000 laborers, 80,000 men to quarry stone in the hill country, and 3,600 foremen. Solomon also sent this message to King Hiram at Tyre. Send me cedar logs as you did for my father David when he was building his palace. I am about to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord my God. It will be a place set apart to burn fragrant incense before him, to display the special sacrificial bread, and to sacrifice burnt offerings each morning and evening, on the Sabbaths, at new moon celebrations, and at the other appointed festivals of the Lord our God. He has commanded Israel to do these things forever. This must be a magnificent temple, because our God is greater than all other gods. But who can really build him a worthy home? Not even the highest heavens can contain him. So who am I to consider building a temple for him except as a place to burn sacrifices to him? So send me a master craftsman who can work with gold, silver, bronze, and iron, as well as with purple, scarlet, and blue cloth. He must be a skilled engraver who can work with the craftsmen of Judah and Jerusalem, who were selected by my father, David. Also, send me cedar, cypress, and red sandalwood logs from Lebanon, for I know that your men are without equal at cutting timber in Lebanon. I will send my men to help them. An immense amount of timber will be needed, for the temple I am going to build will be very large and magnificent. In payment for your woodcutters, I will send 100,000 bushels of crushed wheat, 100,000 bushels of barley, 110,000 gallons of wine, and 110,000 gallons of olive oil. King Hiram sent this letter of reply to Solomon. It is because the Lord loves his people that he has made you their king. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who made the heavens and the earth. He has given King David a wise son, gifted with skill and understanding, who will build a temple for the Lord and a royal palace for himself. I am sending you a master craftsman named Huram, Abi, who is extremely talented. 
His mother is from the tribe of Dan in Israel, and his father is from Tyre. He is skillful at making things from gold, silver, bronze, and iron, and he also works with stone and wood. He can work with purple, blue, and scarlet cloth, and fine linen. He is also an engraver and can follow any design given to him. He will work with your craftsmen and those appointed by my lord David, your father. Send along the wheat, barley, olive oil, and wine that my lord has mentioned. We will cut whatever timber you need from the Lebanon mountains and will float the logs and rafts down the coast of the Mediterranean Sea to Joppa. From there you can transport the logs up to Jerusalem. Solomon took a census of all the foreigners in the land of Israel, like the census his father had taken, and he counted 153,600. He assigned 70,000 of them as common laborers, 80,000 as quarry workers in the hill country, and 3,600 as foremen. So Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to David, his father. The temple was built on the threshing floor of Arona, the Jebusite, the site that David had selected. The construction began in mid-spring, during the fourth year of Solomon's reign. These are the dimensions Solomon used for the foundation of the temple of God, using the old standard of measurement. It was 90 feet long, and 30 feet wide. The entry room at the front of the temple was 30 feet wide, running across the entire width of the temple and 30 feet high. He overlaid the inside with pure gold. He paneled the main room of the temple with cypress wood, overlaid it with fine gold, and decorated it with carvings of palm trees and chains. He decorated the walls of the temple with beautiful jewels and with gold from the land of Parvaim. He overlaid the beams, thresholds, walls, and doors throughout the temple with gold, and he carved figures of cherubim on the walls. He made the most holy place 30 feet wide, corresponding to the width of the temple and 30 feet deep. He overlaid its interior with 23 tons of fine gold. The gold nails that were used weighed 20 ounces each. He also overlaid the walls of the upper rooms with gold. He made two figures shaped like cherubim, overlaid them with gold and placed them in the most holy place. The total wingspan of the two cherubim standing side by side was 30 feet. One wing of the first figure was seven and a half feet long, and it touched the temple wall. The other wing, also seven and a half feet long, touched one of the wings of the second figure. In the same way, the second figure had one wing seven and a half feet long that touched the opposite wall. The other wing, also seven and a half feet long, touched the wing of the first figure. So the wingspan of the two cherubim side by side was 30 feet. They stood on their feet and faced out toward the main room of the temple. Across the entrance of the most holy place, he hung a curtain made of fine linen, decorated with blue, purple, and scarlet thread and embroidered with figures of cherubim. 
For the front of the temple, he made two pillars that were 27 feet tall, each topped by a capital extending upward another seven and a half feet. He made a network of interwoven chains and used them to decorate the tops of the pillars. He also made 100 decorative pomegranates and attached them to the chains. Then he set up the two pillars at the entrance of the temple, one to the south of the entrance and the other to the north. He named the one on the south, Jaquin, and the one on the north, Boaz. Romans 6 Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not! Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God! 
Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led even deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Psalm 16 A Psalm of David Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, You are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Proverbs 19, 20 and 21. Get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for another week together in your word. And as we continue to move forward through the book of Romans, we are seeing the good news of the gospel laid out in in, in plain text. And we thank you for this 
And we ask Holy Spirit that we, we not just move through this and be like, yeah, 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 I know. Because we don't know the implications of what you have done for us are earth shifting. They are monumental, colossal changes that are supposed to colossally, irreversibly change us. And so if we can look in the mirror and say, yeah, I'm kind of struggling with all of the old sin. I am still a slave to that. Well, then we are not living into the good news of the gospel and all of the benefits and all of the blessings that come with it. So help us, Holy Spirit, uh, to get our minds off of all the chaos and responsibility and obligation and all of the things that are going on in our personal lives, all the things that are going on in our world, and to get our hearts and minds focused on you so that we walk through this world with you in it, but not of it. Come Holy Spirit, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hi, Daily Audio Bible family. This is Zion Lyon, and I wanted to call in today to pray for the woman who called in but did not leave a name, but she had lost her job and was living with a man who was sexually abusing her, and she did not feel she had any way out. I prayed a long time to Jesus, sister, to try to find the right words to help you, but I just felt like I couldn't find any that I thought did justice. Um, ironically, my husband, who is not a Christian, told me a story that I think um, might be the Holy Spirit just trying to relay a message to you. Um, my husband told me that he had read an archaeology article about a big stone cross in Europe that sits in the middle of the forest. He said that the article was saying that there used to be stone crosses everywhere around Europe in the middle of the most unlikely places and that these crosses were placed there to help people who were lost in danger in some way or another and that the crosses were pointing the direction to help to good Samaritans, to the people of the church. Sister, right now I think you're in the middle of the deep dark forest and you are in a lot of trouble, but there is a big stone cross pointing the direction towards safety and goodness for you. Run toward that cross, sister. Surely there has to be a Christian organization near you that can provide you with help and get you to safety. Don't give up, sister. I love you. I ask that the Lord guide you and protect you and that he send a sheltering angel to embrace you in safety and to take your hand and guide you to peace. Yes, this is my first time calling. My grandson, Chase, who's 21, through no, no fault of his own over the years, has had many, 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 many problems in his life. Um, so much so, beginning with his mom leaving, leaving his dad when he was little, when little boys needed their dads, to many other problems. He's 21 years old now. He's never finished high school. He doesn't have his, his driver's license. And partly due to him being somewhat on the autism spectrum, he's unable to be in social situations to hold a job for very long. He and I were very close when he was a little boy, and his mom, because of issues of her own, has kept him and his siblings from contact with me a lot over the years. I have seen him 
but not very often. And this summer, he'll be coming to visit with his dad, and then he's staying an extra five days alone with his grandfather and I. I pray, please pray, that during that time, my husband and I will either be a part of a miracle for him or not harm him anymore with anything that we try to say or do. Don't let the words of our mouths be anything but from God. Please pray for that, that we can encourage him and support him and help him see that he is a worthwhile God's child and keep us from saying or doing anything that would mess that up. I've prayed for him since he was a tiny, tiny baby, and he needs a miracle in his life, and I love him so much. Thank you for your prayers. Goodbye. Yes, hi, Brian. Uh, hello, um, everybody out there. Uh, I just uh, was calling because I'm, I'm in great need of prayer. I have been listening to Daily Audio Bible for some time off and on. Um, since I actually went to, uh, I was a part of uh, the International House of Prayer and uh, in Kansas City. I just, right now, um going through an extremely hard time. Um, I had fallen away from the Lord uh, for about five or more years, uh, five and a half years in my marriage. Um, I don't even know how it happened, really, to be honest with you. Just kind of a slow progression. Um, went through a lot of trauma in my life. Uh, in the past, and I thought I was completely healed when I got married, and just went through uh, a time where I just uh, had lost a lot of myself. Um, uh, about three years ago, um, well, no, about two, two and a half years ago, both my parents died about seven months apart from each other. After that, my wife had left me with my children. I had sought the Lord, tried to get back with the Lord at that time. My wife came back. Um, had been about now about a year and a half and uh, almost a year and a half and then about three weeks ago about two and a half weeks ago actually um, she uh, she left me again this time stating it's going to be for good and she took my kids to Iowa to her parents um, I actually had no idea it was going to happen I thought things were getting better it actually just came out of nowhere um, her parents came here on vacation um, to celebrate my youngest, um, well, actually, um, he's my, my two-year-old. We actually have another another child on the way. My wife's pregnant, actually, with a baby girl. And uh, so we have actually three children, um, if you will. And uh, it was a two-year-old's birthday, and um, not long after that, I had no idea that they had... Hi, Dabbers. This is Candy from Northern California. Haven't called in a long time, but oh my goodness. Uh, the post from the woman who has been battered. Oh my goodness. I just heard it. I am so moved. Please, please plug into a church. Find a support group. There are support groups in churches that can help you. And there are kind people who will likely find you a place. Um, Please reach out plug into your Christian community. And for the father who lost a, a, a little baby, oh my goodness, so many of us are are so, so sorry for your loss. As, you know, I had years as a 
uh, NICU nurse, and, and fortunately, I have been up close and personal with this kind of grief. I, for you also, please reach out to support groups uh, who have been where you are now trotting. When you're ready, that is. You know, only faith can, can make sense of these kinds of tragedies. And friends, personally, I, you know, I'm almost embarrassed to ask it, but I, I have an opportunity coming up. Um, I'm being considered for a kind of missions. Um, well, it's a very godly business opportunity. It would be a dream come true for me. And if it happens, I'll let you know. But in the meantime, I'm just asking that you pray for this opportunity to bless um, to bless other people in a special way. Thank you, Daily Audio Bible friends. Thank you, Ryan and all the crew.